Welcome to the Farm Talks podcast, an audio edition of Farm Talk newspaper, your four-state ag news source. Farm Talk News has proudly been serving the four-state area with quality ag content since 1974. Listen in for 100% agriculture, 100% of the time. Tune in today with your host. Welcome back to episode five of the Farm Talks podcast. I'm your host, Emily Zaronis, Associate Editor of Farm Talk News. If you are new to our channel, make sure to click that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. We are exactly three weeks away from the 2023 Western Farm Show in Kansas City. I have Farm Show Manager Jamie Applegate with me today. Jamie, what should we expect this year at the Western Farm Show? So attendees should expect to see a sold-out venue with over 400 exhibitors there to help them figure out just great ways to enhance their farm and ranching operations. They'll see some cool things going on with FFA and 4-H kids, maybe a few seminars that they might be intrigued by in our farmer development seminars, and a huge shopping experience area this year, which features a lot of really cool and new products. And I know I'm excited to be there. And can you tell our listeners a little bit about how much are tickets this year and where can we purchase them? So tickets are always sold at the venue itself for $10 at the gate. Those are good for anyone 12 and older. If you're 12 and under, you get in free. You can always find a coupon on our website, which is westernfarmshow.com which will give you $3 off in advance if you're interested in having some savings. So all you need to do is go online, fill out a form, and you will automatically get sent that coupon. We always offer our members, we're a member-driven association, and so those dealers that we work with are always given the opportunity to have these coupons at their counters as well. So if you walk into a local dealer, you can always ask them, If they don't happen to have them, you can always call the show office and ask to speak with me, and I can always get you a hookup on a coupon as well. Well, excellent. Is there anything else you'd like to share with any of our listeners today? Sure. I would just share that we've got a lot of new and exciting things going on at the show. So if you're interested in learning about the farming experience, come see The Farmer's Life. Brian Scott, he's coming in as a green Farmer. So John Deere has sponsored him. We have livestock demonstrations going on every day of the show. So you can find something Friday afternoon, all day Saturday, and on Sunday for livestock from MFA. Then we've got the Farmer Development Let's Talk Shop seminars going on all day Saturday and on Sunday morning. So those will be put on by industry professionals themselves talking about their product technology or whatever they might have that can help you with your farming and ranching operations. Then we've got the Family Living Center, as I mentioned earlier, where you can get a lot of shopping done, find some goodies to take home with you, which is sponsored by American Family Insurance. Then we've got, as always, our Health and Safety Roundup area, where you can come in, get some health screenings, maybe take a vision um, test to see if your eyes are still good. And those are put on by the Missouri Farm Bureau. And lastly, we've got FFA Day, which is always on Friday, sponsored by Case IH where the FFA kids can come in, experience, network with our exhibitors, and just have a fun day of interaction and college experiences as well. So those are a laundry list of things that we've got going on at the show, but that's why we love doing this 
for our Kansas City area and all the farmers and ranchers around us. Well, excellent. We are excited to be there. Thank you for your time today. Absolutely. I appreciate you letting me have some time. Again, the 2023 Western Farm Show is scheduled for February 24th through 26th at the American Royal Complex in Kansas City. Farm Talks podcast prides itself in bringing you content from a different segment of agriculture each month to talk about the challenges and strategies that our listeners care about. Stay tuned to this episode as we hear from a local Oklahoman involved in custom processing. Chris Gabriel of Wild Country Meats and Hominy says the meat business is all he's ever known. Thanks for joining me today, Chris. So to get started, let's talk a little bit about yourself and your business and a little bit about Wild Country Meats. Tell me about yourself. So, yeah, my name's Chris. We've owned Wild Country, actually built Wild Country, established it in 1998. Uh, Family-run business actually uh, started with uh, my wife, myself, my mother, and my father here in a small town of Hominy, Oklahoma. And now it's grown to two locations. We've got uh, one in Hominy and a place in Cleveland, and we employ about 40 people. So started as a small mom-and-pop custom kill floor. Now it's kind of grown into a custom and retail place that actually covers quite a little area of customer base. Perfect. And how large is your scope? And tell me a little bit about that processing industry and how it's changed a little bit over the years. I know we're super excited here on the Farm Talks podcast to learn a a little bit about the processing industry and especially as that's a concern right now among many producers in the four state area. Yeah, sure. So, man, our scope of business pretty pretty simple. We have a custom kill floor, which means that we slaughter cattle for the individual. And then we actually also retail product, which means we bring in inspected product that we cut up and butcher and then sell to our customers that walk in the door. And so we kind of, we do both. We've got a custom kill floor and then we also have a retail market and um, I kind of you know, wide range of, of what we do. We've actually got some small uh, grocery uh, items that we that we have. And so we try to carry as many local small companies that they've got, you know, made in Oklahoma or, you know, just a local small guy. We try to carry their products, salsas, barbecue, seasonings, that kind of stuff. And we got a little, you know, deli. So we, we kind of do a little bit of, you know, all of it. Awesome. You said that you've been in this for a while, and 2020 was definitely one of those years that the whole world came to a stop and processing became very overwhelmed. Can you talk about maybe what that process during that year was like? Are you recovering from that time? Talk about that transition from 2020 to 2023. So a lot has changed since 2020. Um, and yes, I have been in the meat business. It seems like I like to tell everybody, you know, I'm 46 years old and I've been in the meat business since I weaned from my mother. Like it's, it's all I've ever known. You know, it's just my dad was a meat cutter. His dad was a meat cutter. His dad was a meat cutter. And so we're, you know, we're fourth generational meat cutters. And, you know, I didn't do it because of opportunity. I just that's what I've done because it's all I've ever known. You know, 2020 hit the world did come to a stop and we like to say this and I know again don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings but you know a lot of people went to their heels and we went to our toes you know and so a lot of guys you know couldn't get the product you know to sell to the customers that were coming in and there was just a lot of 
things that happened in wild country, we, we were, we responded and actually responded really quick. As a matter of fact, we upped our kill numbers. We increased our loads that were coming in from our packing houses that were, you know, greater Omaha is one that we used and a couple other, you know, uh, we used Cargill a little bit and other couple, uh, smaller processors that we used to bring in inspected product. And so it did, it shifted a lot. Um, and it, it woke us all up because people, and for the first time that I've ever seen it in my life, lifetime were scared uh, because they didn't even know if they were going to be able to get the proteins that they were used to getting that, you know, the beef, pork and chicken. And so we had people driving in, you know, again, we're in Northeast Oklahoma. We had people coming from Texas all over and lined up outside our store for months, not just for weeks, but for months, we had a a line out our door and people just constantly coming in. And we had, again, we were killing around the clock. We had semi loads of beef coming in and it was, uh, yeah, very, very eye opening. And, and it changed a lot of, of what we do even today. For sure. Absolutely. And so going forward, can you tell me about some of the issues that you yourselves as a company are facing and perhaps the processing industry as a whole that our listeners and our producers should know about? And what can we do uh, to add on to that to provide a helping hand uh, at this time? Yeah, so which is really good because, again, I've, I've been in it my whole life. And, you know, back in the day, and I, I don't know, you, you guys set up in Kansas. I'm sure this podcast probably reaches a wide range of people. But in Oklahoma, it seemed like the custom kill floors were kind of spread out. There wasn't a bunch of us. There was just a few of us. And a matter of fact, that you know, you've got the Oklahoma-Texas Meat Processors Association. You know, you've got two states combined just to create a good number of people for an association. And so we, we were thin. And I was one of the young guys in the business. I'm 46. I'm you know, Back then, I was considered young because a lot of the guys were getting older. Uh, we didn't really have uh, the processing plants because a lot of the people that were growing cattle were just selling them to the feedlots to be moved on to the big packers. And then all of a sudden, when the big packers looked at everybody and said, hey, we're not taking the beef off a of feed, they were stuck with cattle in a feedlot, needed a place to go to butcher them. And so then they run back into us, the custom processors, who welcomed them. Problem was, there was only a handful of us and they needed hundreds of us. And so that was a big shakeup. Now, moving forward, there's not the labor to take care of the demand when it comes to slaughtering those cattle. So we're growing that labor. That labor base is growing. The pay is coming back strongly for those workers. You know, back, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, three to four years ago, you know, you would work a guy for 10 to $12 an hour. That guy's making 20 to $22 an hour today, just a few years later. They're becoming more skilled. They're more sought after. And so you see more people coming into this line of work because it's starting to pay better again. Here's where we can be helped. Keep the numbers coming to us. So when the price of cattle shoots through the roof, don't run back into the feedlots to sell to the big packers. Stay consistent with the amount that you're sending to us as small processors because that'll keep us around. And when that number depletes, places will close. Then if we're ever in need again, we're going to be back in the same boat. And so to spread that number out a little bit, send a portion to the feedlots for the big packers. But help us small guys out. You know, keep keep a bone in front of us, have you, and so that we can stay in the industry and stay strong. Um, because now, yeah, you can drive every 
you know, 30 to 45 miles and you're going to find a processor and, and where you don't find one, there's most likely plans to build one. And so that's that's an amazing thing to know and to see is that, hey, we're finally starting to see those things pop up again. We're seeing young guys get into the industry and we just need the producers and the growers to continue to send us the cattle in the future, even when the price gets high. And those packers are, are grabbing those things. And we've just got to remember what they did to us. You've got hundreds of, of cattle in the feedlot, and then they're just looking at you and saying, hey, we're not taking them. We need to remember that uh, and keep us small guys, you know, get it, get us a good steady flow of cattle through here. And that's the biggest thing is to just keep it level, keep that playing field strong so that uh, when we do turn around and need more processors, you know, there's a, not just a handful that we can all stay strong. Yes, keeping it local is absolutely vital. And so I want to bring it back a little bit. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. And sure. just elaborate a little bit on that. Let us know a little bit about you. In the meat business, it's just, it's all I've ever known. I'm married uh, to my high school sweetheart. Our actual 25th wedding anniversary is coming up to this, this year. It's coming up in March. And so we're excited about that. We've got three beautiful children uh, all from the, all from the same wife my high school sweetheart and she she's in the comedy facility day to day she's she's over there most days at the at the kill floor yeah, you can always catch her there and then uh, I usually am in between stores between the retail shop and the and the slaughterhouse but you'll you'll see any one of us just about any given day at either store and then my mom and dad, who are still a big part of the business there, again, they, they each are part owners as well. And so they, they're in and out of the stores and, and both of them still, still heavily an influence for all of us because, you know, my dad, he's, man, that's where the legacy, that's, that's where it has all started. And so he's, he's still around in and out. I wouldn't say that he picks up a knife much, but he fixes the equipment when it breaks for us and gets us running again so that's just a little bit about us you know i'm an only child i'm spoiled my parents have you know supported me and been there for me my whole life and i still have them and uh wild country couldn't be who we are today without all of us with my mom my dad and my wife myself and our kids so hopefully one of them will grab the torch and keep running so my little boy he says he wants to we'll see how that works out I was just going to ask you about continuing that legacy because obviously it sounds like you have continued that from your father and, and hopefully have some future plans to keep this going in the future. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we, we've actually just purchased an additional. Of course, we have two facilities. We've got a kill floor in Hominy. We've got a uh, retail shop in Cleveland. But we just purchased 33 acres. It's bought, paid for, deeded to us. It's ours. We're, we're going to build a, a brand new uh, USDA kill floor. It won't be massive, but we plan on slaughtering about 250 to 300 head a week there. And uh, so it's, it's going to be, again, still built for the small guy. Um, something that we can handle and that we can manage, hoping that we have that built within the next, and I know this sounds crazy, two to five years because we've just got to, you know, see when things to build make sense again. And right now, between the electrical cost and the refrigeration cost and just the availability of those products, it's made it tough. So we've, we're just sitting on the land. I've got the floor plans. We're ready to pull the trigger. We're just kind of waiting to see when it makes sense. And uh, yeah, so hopefully one of them can take the keys because at that point, I'm going to be a little bit tired. Absolutely. And I think we're very excited to see some of that expansion as well. So can you tell us a little bit about the value that custom processing can add for livestock producers? 
Oh, definitely. So again, you're not, you never want to put all of your eggs in one basket. And I, and I always tell these guys, Hey, you know, you need to stay strong. You need to sell those calves at the sale at a, at a you know, lightweight, move some that way. Yeah. Put some on feed and then get out there and have a group that you feed out and that you sell to your friend. And that kind of spreads that out across the three markets as I would have it, you know, but here's the thing. The beef that we can feed and sell to our friends and to our family, to our community, you know, uh, and again, you don't have to have a huge commercial feedlot to do that well. I see guys that will do 10 to 20 a year that do it really, really well. And the thing about that is, is that you can really keep a strong market price on your cattle. You can really just about name your price. And so when you when you've got that beef out there and you've seen that thing as a, as a calf and you've raised it and you've fed it and uh, you're taking it to the slaughterhouse yourself. Uh, people aren't really concerned about the market price for that beef. They're, they know, hey, you know that animal. You know what's in that animal. You've cared for that animal. And so when you tell them, hey, here it is and this is the price, it's not hard to find a consumer now that's willing to pay that because of the security and the trust that they have within you as a grower compared to being what I believe let down by the industry. Because, again, when everybody rushed to the store and it wasn't there, we all woke up. Well, the guy that's raising the beef, hey, he's there. The guy that has the kill floor and the small processing plant, we're here. And, you know, that that's the people that rushed. The big places, man, they just went backwards. They went onto their heels, and a lot of us got left without. I know people that walked into a store and couldn't find hamburger, couldn't find a package of chicken. And, you know, that's, that's kind of one of the things, and that's one of the biggest values is – you know, always keep a small handful of those things on feed that you're feeding to your friends and to your family, to your community and spread that out a little bit. Well, thank you. I really appreciate your insight on that. And something I think is really exciting to not only our producers, but also our consumers are about those best value cuts for their animals when they come to you uh, for custom processing. So I would love to hear your take on what some of those best value cuts are when they bring their animal by and what you would recommend. Sure. Well, you know, it's what's awesome is that when you do a custom beef, you've got a lot of bone-in product. You've got a lot of traditional cuts that you don't see in the grocery stores anymore. So like, for instance, the seven-bone chuck roast, you don't see that in a grocery store any longer. If you raise a beef and you slaughter that beef, then you get things like the seven-bone chuck roast. You get the bone-in arm roast. You actually get the bone-in T-bones, you get the short ribs, you get a lot of those steaks that you don't see. Sadly, you really don't even see full round steaks, like a, a top round and a bottom round in the grocery stores anymore. You know, everything has gotten so small and everything is so boneless that you don't really get a lot of those those cuts. You know, the soup bones, the oxtail, you know, the beef tongue, the heart. There's a lot of those things that it's really kind of hard to, to find them anymore. And when you raise the beef, there's a lot there that, that a lot of people aren't used to seeing. And, and again, I and you ask me what my favorite is, I'm just going to tell you. I love the chuck roast. I love arm roast. I love ribeyes. I love short ribs. I love soup bone, oxtail, T-bones, porterhouses. I love top sirloins, round steaks. Uh, you know, there's not much in the beef that I don't like. The flank steak, the skirt steak. We could talk all day. You know, it, it's. I get excited when we talk about beef because there's very, very few times is that red protein laid on the table and I'm not excited about what I'm eating. 
Awesome. Well, thank you for that. We really appreciate your time on the Farm Talks podcast today and encourage our listeners to reach out to Wild Country Meats. Chris, would you like to talk a little bit about how they can get involved, meet with you, and anything else you'd like to add today? Oh, yeah, definitely. One of the things that they can do to help me and that I'll also help them is go to our YouTube channel, hit subscribe. I try to stay as informational and transparent as I can on our on our YouTube page. But yeah, we've got a strong social media platform through YouTube and through Instagram, through Facebook. And we've even got a TikTok where I try to keep it a little bit light. But, you know, they could go and, and follow and like any of those. Man, that, that would be a huge help to us. And it would benefit them. But, uh, yeah, if they could do that, go to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, go to Facebook, follow us, Instagram. That would be great. I'd say TikTok because we do have one. But, you know, every time I put something on TikTok, they ban me. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty sad. I go on there to show a live beef that looks beautiful and then all of a sudden a ribeye and I get banned for a few days. So, you know, you can go like us on TikTok if you want, but you're going to find all the good stuff on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Awesome. I didn't even know you did social media. Can you talk a little bit about that and how long you've been doing it and what kind of success you've found through there? So, yeah, I found a lot of success. And, you know, that's the thing about, you know, the the world that we live in. And and we have kind of a social media vision and a mission, if you would, uh, to make sure that we can educate, that we can encourage and bring a smile to people's faces. You know, we live in a world where people are fearful of the meat they take home. And so we want to bring a security and a peace of mind. Uh, They're fearful. They've been lied to, cheated. And we want to make sure, hey, you know, you know that you get the animal that you bring in. You know, that's that's a thing. We also want to make sure that we encourage people. You know, we're, we're living in a time and you don't know when you see someone, it might be the last time you don't know what they're going through. And so it's always a great opportunity to encourage them. And, you know, that's the thing. We want to stay you know, open and transparent about the process and the things that we do and bring a smile to people's face. And it's been a great success to us because it's just opened up the process, showing them what we're doing. And uh, that's been our mission here and our vision for a really, actually really long time. Um, we even open up our cutting floor. If you bring a beef with us, to, to butcher with us, we invite you to, hey, we're going to cut it on Tuesday at two o'clock. If you want to show up, hey, come back here and watch us break this thing down. And uh, we, we try to use that as a tool, but you know, also just a way to continue to develop a strong relationship with our customers. And we've had a lot of success Uh, inviting our customers in through our social media platforms and our facility. And now how long have you operated that YouTube channel? You know, YouTube hasn't been the longest for us. I think we really kind of started getting on YouTube strongly about a year ago. Our biggest, uh, I guess you would say the, the largest impact that we have has been through Facebook you know, we've got a strong Facebook following and, uh, and we try to spread that love out as I would say to when we post a video, we kind of try to keep it in each format from each platform so that if you're a YouTube subscriber and that's where you mostly stay when it comes to social media, you're going to see it. Or maybe there's a lot of people that don't ever go to YouTube that just stay strictly on Facebook. And then of course you've got my college daughter, she's on Instagram and, you know, so we try to spread it out and, and, and stay as open on all the platforms as we can. Well, awesome. We're really glad to hear it. And is there anything else you'd like to add or tell our listeners today? No, man, just just keep it up. Again, we've we've been let down by big corporations, and it's this small local guy that's going to keep us going. If you've got cattle and you raise them, keep them on feed, keep them on grass. You know, and if, if you're a small processor out there listening, hey, keep fighting, keep pushing, and uh, keep growing.
Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time today. We loved having you on. Hey, anytime. Thanks for joining us on the February edition of the Farm Talks podcast. Join us in three weeks for the 2023 Western Farm Show in Kansas City, February 24th through 26th. Find your Farm Talk newspaper wherever you go, online, in your mailbox, at a newsstand, or online at farmtalknews.com. Thanks for listening.